Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Previously in our study of the book of Romans, Pastor Murphy showed us three benefits of having the fear of God. Today we'll see two more benefits. Turn with me please to the book of Acts. And I want to read several extracts in the book of Acts. And you'll see my, my theme is a continuation. But I want us to read the book of Acts. Several different locations. And you're going to pick up the words that I'm sure that you're familiar with. And what I want to continue with this morning. The book of Acts chapter 2. And verse number 41. And verse, to verse number 43. Okay. 41 to... Verse 43, Acts chapter 2. Follow with me, please. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And then notice 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Notice that key word, fear. I would like you also to turn to chapter 5 of Acts. And let's read from verse number 5. Acts chapter 5, from verse number 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down. And gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And a young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what had done, what was done, came in. And Peter answered and said unto her, Tell me, whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which bury thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And notice verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church. Upon all as many as heard these things. Then if you look at chapter 9. The book of Acts chapter 9. This happens after Paul's conversion. Acts chapter 9. Look at verse number 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And were edified. Walking in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then one last reference, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 17. Verse 17 reads, And this was made known to all the Jews and the Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on all them, all. And the name of the Lord was magnified 
We're talking about the benefits of the fear of God and how it affects people. And then number four this morning. I want to say the fear of God will also regulate how you treat other people. That's a very, very significant thing. It would enable you to treat people with respect, with equity, with dignity and compassion. The fear of God is what will regulate our social life. And how far I am going to go in my relationship with you and how I treat you. The fear of God regulates that. Now I want to show you something that I, when I read it, the first time I ever read it, I was really, really amazed. Of how important the fear of God is, is, is in, in, in terms of our relationship, how we treat other people. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 25 for just a minute. Leviticus chapter 25. And uh, look at um, verse 17 of Leviticus chapter 25. And verse 17. Lord is speaking to his people. He's given certain regulations for the civic relationships among people. And this is what he says to them in verse number 17. He said, you shall not therefore what? Oppress. Oppress. What is it as it says? One another. But thou shalt what? You know what he's saying? In your dealings with your fellow man, I don't want you to subject that person to some kind of harsh, unjust treatment. I don't want you to exploit that person, take advantage of them. But you know the only thing that will stop you from taking advantage of people and exploiting people? Is if you have my fear. Fear restrains me from dealing with you and taking advantage of you as a person. Does that make sense? Yes. I have had uh, more than one discussion with, with individuals on, on certain matters. And I, I've, I've said this, and, uh, and I hope the Lord, I hope he doesn't uh, withdraw his protection hand from around me. But I've told several people this already. He said, you know, I have never been able, as a pastor or as a manager or anything, I've never been able to take advantage of women. Never have been able to do that. And you know, they ask me, Pastor, how, 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 how? and the only thing I tell them is because my fear of God. See? That's what restrained me. See? If I did not have the fear of God, I would have taken advantage of people. Does that make sense? Yeah. My social dealings with you, how I treat you, when I take advantage of you, or whether I exploit you or abuse you, the thing that keeps me from doing that is nothing but the fear of God. Now, do you see why today in society, people treat people as things? You see why a young man could see a young girl at a party and not even think about her future? And uh, mislead her, sleep with her, give her baby, I'm gone. She doesn't even know his name. She doesn't know where he lives. He's not even thinking of the repercussions it will have in that, that woman's life. The pain that she will have. For the next 20 years, she has to take that burden. She can't do anything except that child. He never once thinks about that. You know why? There's no fear of God in his eyes. Not one single lack of fear. The fear of God regulates our social relations, how we respond to each other, how we treat each other. Not that we don't take advantage of each other. But can I show you something else? The fear of God also helps us not to abuse other people who are less 
fortunate than we are. I want to show you something that I never saw before. Look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 14. It regulates our social relationship with people. Look at Exodus chapter 19 and verse 14. Thou shalt not what? Thou shalt not curse the death. In other words, by the way, when I talk about curse to death, it doesn't necessarily mean speaking bad words, you know. But because the person is deaf, you're saying all nasty things about them, but they can't hear you. See? So you're demeaning the person that is deaf. What you're doing there is taking advantage and you're abusing. But notice the next part of the verse. Now put a what? A stumbling block before the blind. You don't take advantage of blind people either. He can't see, so what I do? I put something in the way so you fall. But notice why, what he says there in that verse. But thou shalt what? Fear God. See, thou shalt fear God. The point of the passage is this. Our social abuse of people that are handicapped, who we find quite amusing sometimes, by the way, I don't know if you know this, before Christianity came on the scene, when they had people who were lunatics, they would put a cap on the lunatic and he was a joke of the whole people. They, they, they found, bring him in and he will entertain you. If you had a function, Brother Swami, you just bring in the idiot and put a, a thing on the head and let it do all its antics. People laughed and mocked at them. When Christianity came, it preached the dignity of every human being. You must not abuse the handicapped person. You treat them with respect and equity. That's what the Lord is saying. Don't laugh at the dumb person and say things about him you know he can't hear. I don't like his hair. Shoot, look at that nose. See, you know, all these kind of things we could be saying about people. And then the blind guy, you know, uh, just to be nasty, we put something in his way that he's walking and we know he's going to fall and stumble. Don't tell me that you have never thought about that. Look, I've done some things in my life that I'm totally ashamed of. Things that I never even thought about. And only after I got older and looked at the consequence, I realized you realized you could have killed that person. Let me give you an example. Years ago, I lived in, uh, well, I lived in Brandon's Beach. And there's a, we used to go on the sand. The sand would go right down to the beach. And uh, we'd get people riding on the beach to see who, who can ride as fast as possible. And a guy, a friend of mine called Boogles, a friend, he's a friend of mine. And Boogles has gone almost a half a mile down the road and he's going to drive right as fast as possible. You know what I did? The more I think about it, sometimes I cringe. I dig a trench. I tell you, I dig a trench. I wanted Boogles to ride and then go. And I, I never thought of the fact I could break his neck, he could fall. Nothing. That never, it was just fun. Just love to see him fall. See? When you're young, you do a lot of stupid things, eh? But part of the reason of that is that you don't really think of the consequences. That was in my unsaved days. I had no fear of God. And to my mind, the biggest thing I could ever see is to just see Bugles spread eagle on the floor, bicycle one way, he another way. I never even thought about it. Wait a minute, what if the guy broke his neck? You know what I used to do when I was a boy? I would go by a church. I know the people are going to walk into the church. And at that time, you, you wore slippers or you didn't wear any shoes. You know what I used to do? I used to take thorns off the cashy bush and put them down on the step. I used to do that. 
I mean, when you think about that, I mean, how crude can you be? How, how heartless can you be? People come to the church, so every man must have a thorn in his foot. I had no fear of God before my eyes. See? So it, it didn't, it, everything to me was just a big joke. To see a man walking, oops, another one, oops. And I'd be down there laughing myself. Man, look at that. But when I got the fear of God in me, brother, my whole life changed of how I saw people, how I treated people. See? For those of you who sit here saying, Pastor Murphy, what's the use of preaching on this subject? Well, if you understand what the Bible says, if his fear was in us, see, not only would it affect the government, not only would it affect our own personal lives, but it would affect our relationships with other people. We would not take advantage of other people and we would not abuse other people, not even the blind, the lame, and the halt. We treat them as persons with dignity and rights and value. The fear of God is needed, brethren. It would change a lot of our lives. A lot of our lives. Today we wonder why these social mores are no longer relevant. There was a day when a two guys was going into a van... And a male and a female, the male will stop and say, oh, you're going first. I'll open the door for her. Yes. Now they're rushing to see who gets in first. Yes. It's all gone. Yes. Okay. People knew courtesy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Today you're driving down the road. A man knows you're driving. He parks right in front of you and sits having a conversation with another van there. And seriously. I mean, you're driving, here, but he stops right there. He's talking to the other guy. And if you blow your horn, you cuss you, you know. I, I couldn't do that as a Christian. That's not courtesy. No, it's not that they don't have a space to, to drive by the side and talk. But he's saying to you, listen, you stop there. And when I write, let you go, you'll go. Common courtesy is gone. All the social mores that we want were endeared to us. are gone. We're now in a pagan society, society where rat eat rat and dog eat dog. See? No little compassion any longer, no little concern. See? Self is elevated to the point of supremacy. The fear of God is gone. We're paying the consequences for it. Number five. A fifth benefit of the fear of God, and you would like this one, is that the fear of God, God has promised to you several rewards numerous promises God makes to the person who fears him and you know the Bible says fear honors God and God said in Samuel he who honors me I will honor yes. so once you have a proper refer- fear of God God said I will honor you yes. and he made so many promises uh, to the person who fears him let me let, maybe mention five of them very quickly and then we'll be off. Number one is God has promised to the person that fears him personal guidance in respect to his choices. Amen. You find that in Psalms chapter 25 verse 12. Listen to it. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach the way that he shall choose. See? Life is made up of so many choices, brethren. Decision, decision, decisions. Who do you turn to? Where do you turn to of help in decisions? Some of you are, are puzzled about your career. What should I do? I just finished secondary school. And I'm not too sure what career choice should I make. 
Well, the Lord says, if a man fears me, I will help him to know the way he shall go, the choice he should make. That's a promise. Cash in on that promise. But you can't cash in on it if you don't fear God. There's some of you that are thinking about a partner in life. I don't know who to marry, Pastor. I don't know who you can't tell you either. All I will tell you is this. Don't ever judge by the page. Don't ever judge just by the page. What the page looks like. But it's a major decision. You have a choice to make. Who do you turn to in making such a choice? The Lord said, if you fear me, I'll guide you and help you to make the right choice in that respect. Some of you are thinking of choosing a college that you're going off. I finished secondary school. I want to know where to go, Pastor. Where do I go? And by the way, it's not just the money that discerns where you go. I hope you don't know that. You should be asking, Lord, where do you go? Because your college that you go to, your university go to, will shape your life for the next four years. You will not be the same person when you leave that school. Guarantee you. It will affect your values. It will affect your whole outlook, your, your Christian outlook on life. If you happen to go to a Christian school, it may help you go to a secular school. I guarantee you, you're not coming back the same person you went in. You've got to be very careful. Ask the Lord in respect to what choice to go. It's not all about money. Lots more important than, than making a, a, a career. You can come up with a doctorate degree. You can have a PhD. But by the time you come out being a PhD, you've lost completely all the religion that you had, all the faith that you had. So you're now a PhD. See? You lost everything else. Is it worth the price? Some of you are thinking of a geographical move. I don't like Antigua. I want to get to Antigua. Things tight, tight, hard. Where do I go? You have asked success and where are you going to go? She moved to the States. She moved to England. She moved to another Caribbean island. Those are decisions you have to make. Choices. Who do you turn to to help you in such a choice? The Lord says, if you fear me, I will guide you in the choice you should make. Cash in on that. There's so many things, so many decisions you have to make. And you want something that is substantial you can hold on to. Something reliable that you can, you can cast yourself on. And God said, listen to me. I am promising you that one of the rewards I will grant you if you fear me and live in my fear is that I will help you in the choices that you make. Guidance will be given to you. The job that you will choose. Well, I, I got a six-figure job, Pastor. That's not all it's about, friend. This job will take me all over the world. That's not all it's about. See, see. That job may very well jeopardize your Christianity and put you in a compromising situation. Can you, can you continue to be in a Christian situation and act like a Christian? Or, or, or is it, how it's affecting you? That's the things you've got to con- So ask the Lord, is this the right thing? Is this the right job? If it is not, Lord, block the way. Do something. But you know what is essential for his guidance in your choices? The man that fears me, he says, I will help in the decision making and making his choices. What a reward is given to us. Number two, a second thing that is promised to the believer, uh, the person that fears the Lord, a reward is not only the matter of guidance in terms of his choices, but he's also promised special protection. Look, 
The president of the United States cannot go anywhere except he got the Secret Service. The Secret Service is always with the president. You know why? He's the president. He's special. People want to hurt the president. So somebody got to protect him. Can I tell you something? God has a secret service as well. It's called the angelic host. You know what it says? The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that what? Fear him. See, fear him. When a man fears God, he's indispensable until God is finished with him. Because God protects him. Now we don't talk about angels today. We talk more about ghosts and all these other things. But listen to me. If we were to do a study on the angelic uh, ministry, you'll find that they're ministering spirits for those who should be heirs of eternal life. See? These are the invisible forces that God aligns to protect his people. But one of those conditions, conditions, the, the, he said the angel Lord encampeth around the bank. He surrounds. That's what it means. Encampeth around. He surrounds. Then that what? Fear him. Fear him. You remember Elijah? If nobody's Elijah, Elisha. When the Syrians sent an army to get him. And you remember he had a young lad. And when the young man saw all this, all this army around, Elijah said, Master, 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 do you not see? Do you not fear? And you remember what he told? He said, Lord, open this young man's eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that the army of God had surrounded the Syrians. See? Protection. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this. Amen. Only eternity will show you and I how many times God protected us from danger. Real, real danger. See? We live in a world where it's only what we see we believe. But it's a world greater than what we see. It's called the invisible world. And there, in that invisible world, are secret agents, as it were, that are there to surround and protect the people that fear God. See? You want protection? Don't go to Cleco. Was the other big one? Sagika. <laughs> yeah. They can only protect you uh, dollar monks. Right? By the way, even when they protect you, you still got to pay something out of it. They tell you to give you health insurance. So you figure you're covered. And then something happens. They say, you've got to pay 30% of that. We pay 60 So, But why didn't you tell me that before? I'm just saying to you this morning, protection is a reward to those that, that fear the Lord. And God treats his people very, very special. Number three, the third thing very quickly. What is called spiritual insight into successful living? Now, there are three cognitive factors that the Bible talks about. It said the fear of the Lord gives wisdom. The fear of the Lord gives knowledge. And then in Psalms chapter 25, it said, The secrets of the Lord belong to them that fear Him. See? If you want to gain insight into successful godly living, the keys to successful godly living is His Word. But for you to take out those principles and apply them in your life, you need insight. And that's where God comes in. And the person that lives in the fear of God, God says, I will give you special insight into my word to understand my principle to help you live a successful life. But the precondition 
is that you must fear him. Must fear him. Listen, if you want to know how to face life, how to handle problems, how to deal with difficult people, how to endure trials, how to weather the crises that you're going to face, how to cope with criticism, how to handle with those who distract from you, how to grasp the meaning of scripture and apply principles, you need a healthy fear of God. Healthy fear of God. So I'm saying to you this morning, if you want to gain greater insight into the things of God and how to live a successful life, the fear of God is essential. Without that, there's a blockade and you're limited in how much you understand, how much you comprehend in terms of what God does and God says. Number four, and this is one that you would love. The fourth reward of this promise to them that fear God is longevity. Who doesn't want to live long? Everything you do is to extend your life. You know that? That's why you take your vitamins. That's why you get omega-3 now. Uh, That's why you do your exercise. That's why you watch your diet. That's why you go walking. Uh, This is why you watch the things that you eat, what you consume. All of that for one reason only. You are a dying person and you know it. I am too, by the way. We are all dying, but we are at different stages. I hope you know that. Do you realize that? We are all dying, but we are at different stages. So all we have to do now is to try to prolong. And everything we do is to prolong longevity. But the promise God gives, promise that he gives, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, that he will extend and prolong the life of the man that fears him. By the way, if we went to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 27, Proverbs 19, 23, Proverbs 24, you'll find that again and again, the fear of God is associated with life. Proverbs 14, 27 says it's a fountain of life. A fountain is something that you can just slake your thirst. And the more you drink of it, it more it, uh, revives you, as it were. The Proverbs say that the fear of God is like that. It gives new life. In Proverbs 19, 23, it says the fear of God tendeth to new life. It leads to new life, to life. And then in Proverbs chapter 24, it, it gives life. See? By the way, that should not surprise us that when you fear God, you should live longer. You ever thought about it for just a moment? How the fear of God keeps you in so many different hazards that everybody, other people are facing. For example, the fear of God and my fear of God, I don't smoke cigarettes. If I smoke cigarettes, I've lost 10 years of my life, between 10 and 15 years of my life. I don't know if you know that it cuts your life about 10 to 15 years. Yes. See? Yes. The fear of God keeps me from drinking alcohol. That's another 10 years off my life. So if I'm smoking and drinking at the same time, I've lost 20 of my years. See? That's why they're dying so young, by the way. See? Dying young, right, left, and center. The fear of God keeps me from being promiscuous. That's why I don't have AIDS and herpes. Yeah. If I live an immoral life, who knows? I might have contracted some kind of disease and cut short my lifespan. And if it didn't cut short my life, think of taking 20 pills every day just to stay alive with AIDS. I mean, you, you can live long, but you're taking pills every day and it's affecting every part of your life. See? We are preserved from all of that by the fear of God. Fear of God stopped me from involving in illegal drugs. I'm not interested in crack or cocaine or all the other heavy drugs. I don't involve in those kind of things, see? What keeps me out of that? The fear of God. 
By the way, some of these guys at the camp, look at their eyes. You can see that some of them want marijuana. No question about that. I spoke to a few of them, and I can look at it. I said, nah, you, you be on this. I got to tell them right. I say, you've been smoking marijuana, haven't you? See? Fear of God keeps me from those kind of things. Then the fear of God stopped me from getting locked up because I don't go to trouble the church money. And theft. That's why I don't, I don't like to deal with money at all. Let's stay away from me. Give it to somebody else as far as those kind of things. Not that it's a temptation to me, by the way. It's never been. See? The fear of God. And then, of course, the fear of God stopped me from speeding. I didn't want to go home to glory too early. Right? No. Listen, if you think about it for just a moment, if the fear of God rule our lives under normal conditions, we sh- our lives should be pro- 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 uh, prolonged in respect to the man of the world who is not restrained in any of these things. Longevity. Is given to them that fear him. And I will tell any young man here this morning and tell any young girl here this morning. If you want to live a good, healthy, successful life and a long life, stay away. But don't just stay away. Just live in the fear of God. And it will stop you from doing a lot of things that young people are caught up in. That are ruining their lives. They'll not live out half their days. Because they have no fear of God. No, nothing restrains them. They're like a wild bull let loose. See? Donkey running up the village. See? No control whatsoever. And it brings to their life, it terminates at a very early age. And then fifthly and finally, God has promised to bless and show his favor on the person that fears him. Listen to Psalms chapter 115 verse 13. He will bless them that fear him. Listen to Psalm 145 verse 19. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear him. Today everybody wants blessing. You want to get really be blessed? God said, if you really want my blessing, fear me and live in my fear. I will bless you. But not only that, I will give you your desires. Now think about that for just a moment. Think about that. The only reason God can give me the desires of my heart is if I fear him. Because those desires are in line with his fear. So there's not a contradiction that God will just give you anything you want. But he is absolutely sure that once you live in his fear, the desires you have will be curtailed by that fear. So you can look, I can give you what you desire. Because I know one thing, you desire the thing that I want for you. Blessings and favor upon that person. What I'm saying to you this morning, and I'm just trying to uh, draw to your attention that we need... To restore the fear of God. And for those of you who want to know why that should be so. I'll just give you the reasons for the rewards. If you're looking at blessings and rewards. I'm saying to you that God has promised you promise after promise after promise. He's given to them that fear him. So if you want to know why you should fear God. Here are some very good reasons to do that. There are two other reasons I would have mentioned, but I'm not going to mention this morning. Two other things would be that you cannot fear God. uh, You cannot worship God unless you fear him. I read Hebrews chapter 11. The only way to fear God, and this is the word acceptably, in a way that pleases God, that is right before God, you must have two things. The fear of God and the reverence of God. To serve God, worship God acceptably. I'm not worship, by the way. Fear 
and reverence. And that's exactly what we don't have in the modern church. Fear or reverence. I get the impression when you go into a worship service, by the way, it's just one big bacchanal. Seriously. The, 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 the louder you go, the more noise you keep, the more you jump up, the more emotion you get. They say you're worshiping God. You're worshiping God. See? Whichever man ever went before God in reverence and was not wholly hushed before him in awe. What we call worship is not worship. Entertainment. Because where there is reverence and fear of God, the people are quiet before the Lord. See See the difference? Now for me to make that statement, there's some of you already saying, Pastor, shut your big mouth up. Because what you're saying, I don't agree with. That's your problem, not mine. Not mine. And the other thing that we talk about, in order to walk before the Lord, a proper Christian walk, you need the fear of God. And it's told that the church walk in the fear of the Lord. And you know what walking means in the Bible? It has to do with your manner of life, your lifestyle. See? So if you want your life to be right, and you want a proper lifestyle that honors the Lord, you must walk in his fear. I suppose if you took your concordance and go through the Bible and look at the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord, I suppose you'll come up with some other things that the Lord has promised to those people. But I think we've got sufficient that should cause every one of us to say, God, restore your fear in my life. Restore your fear in this church. And Lord, help us to restore our fear in our schools, in our society. What a transformative effect it would have if we were to reach that stage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those who sat and listened patiently. All we've come here this morning is to bring the evidence to bear upon the minds of your people. To convince your people that what is needed above everything else is the fear of God. Oh Lord, when you look down at us, you look at our church, you look at our homes, you look at our schools, you look at our society. I wonder, I wonder. What do you really think about us in regards to our respect for you and our fear of you? Oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We have not treated you with the respect, the dignity, the honor, the awe, the fear that is due to you. We have not treated you as a father or even as a governor. We've treated you very slightly and very lightly. We've made you our little buddy and our little sugar daddy, our little Santa Claus. You must meet every need that we have. And you must come and rescue us in every difficulty that we face. You are our bellboy. We ring the bell and you come. Oh Lord, move us in a different direction. Create in us a sense of your fear. Help us to be able to restore this fear in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our schools in our society. Would you help us to honor you, to glorify you, to make you the center and circumference of our lives. Lord, not to be concerned so much about what people think and what people say, but what is pleasing to you, what is honoring to you. Show us how we can do this. 
we look to you for guidance. And we pray that you will not disappoint us. Because our heart's desire is to please you and honor you. And come to the point where we once were. Where we lived in your fear. And what a change it did have in our lives. Lord, restore it to that proper place. Bring us back to this balance. To love you, yes, Lord. But not to disrespect you, to fear you. Same thing in regard to the church. Have your way as we leave here. Impress these basic truths upon the minds of your people. And I pray, Father, that we would bask in these benefits that are coming our way. Thank you for not only telling us what to do, but promising why we should do it and how you will give us dividends and returns uh, if we would just be obedient to the fear of the Lord. Thank you for these dear people who sat here and listened patiently. Now, Lord, I think I ask you to help them to take these matters that we've raised and seriously ponder and meditate upon them. And, Lord, may it have a real wholesome effect upon how we live, how we think, how we behave, how we act, how we worship, how we conduct our lives. Make us a God-conscious people and a God-conscious church. It will affect our relationships, how we treat each other. It will keep us out of a lot of the uh, sins that cause so many other people to fall. It will give us a sense of the worth and the value of the other human being. Not to take advantage of them, not to amuse them, not to misuse them or in any way take advantage. We thank you that you're concerned about the death. You're concerned about the blind. If you're concerned about the death of the blind, how much more you're concerned for your people. You're a gracious God, a loving God. But you also know that unless love is balanced with fear, we move into a realm of distortion. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Be sure you join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy moves on in our study of Romans and shows us the forensic purpose of the law. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.